The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, you are listening to The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And you are listening to Season 2, Episode Seven, right? Seven. I think so. Okay. As far as our calculations can tell. Okay, good. Um, we are on uh, a very interesting topic that kind of came out of last week's topic randomly, and I'm like, "Hey, Brian, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this topic because I have been wanting to do this topic in quite a while." Um, there's just a lot to say about it. Yeah, it, it, it didn't really, for me, it didn't feel like it came out of the blue or anything. It kind of followed a natural progression on our last few episodes. Um, that's true. It did have a natural transition from your side and kind of my side too, in a way, maybe, I don't know. Um, we shall but, find out. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about animals, which animals. is kind of, which kind of seems like elementary. Animals and animals. I didn't animals. bring my animal. Does it bring your pet to work day or something? <laughs> Come on. I don't even have anything close to an animal here. Nope. Um... Animals. Define an animal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just going to get my uh, notes up here real quick. Before we start, though, if you're an animal and you want to get in touch with us, or if you're a human, or if you don't discern between the two, you can still get in touch with us as long as you have the comprehension for technology. You can email us at baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. You could also find us on the Insta, on the Gram, whatever we call it. Instagram, Facebook, we're on Twitter. We are everywhere. Yeah, we basically are. Every podcast app out there. So if you're watching this and you're like, man, I just really wish there was a way to listen to this while I'm running or driving or... Um, like making sushi or something like find us on any podcast app out there. Basically, if there's one that we're not on, tell us so we can put ourselves on there and then listen away, binge, download, whatever you do on podcast apps these days. Or if you're listening to this podcast and say, wow, I wish I could see them. They sound way too familiar, like similar to each other. To discern who's who. I just wish I could see which face is talking. I know. What do they look like? It's such a mystery. You could find us on YouTube where we live stream this show every other week. Every other Thursday, usually at 8, 7 central. Uh, Yeah. YouTube. Which Thursday? Find out. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know how, how to classify that. And then this Thursday, this Thursday, today, Thursday now, <laughs> leave us a comment, leave us reviews, leave us a 
direct message, a DM, slip into our DMs, whatever you want to do to communicate to us. Um, we're not taking postage right now. Um, we do not have any in-person guest appearances anywhere. Um, but you could still get in touch with us one way or another. So, and I do want to thank the people that have reached out to us and commented, um, and, uh, even just general comments too. I saw someone commented that they love how we can talk to each other and be close and love each other with our differences. Um, so we, we appreciate those comments. Um, or if you have a question or want us to talk about something specific, you don't, don't skirt around the issue. Let us know the topic because we don't know what you're thinking. It's like, Hey, what do your respective beliefs say about brushing your teeth? You know, like that could be an episode, anything. I'm pretty sure in our ideas that showed up somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it has. And we're not completely dismissing that idea yet. <laughs> so if you want to hear an episode about that, <laughs> tell us. No, because we're going to yeah, do it the, no matter what. The more, the more topics are, you know, if there's a topic you want to hear about, if you tell us about it, we are more likely to do it than not. Yeah, because like, wow, Brian, no one's ever going to want an episode about cloth. But then someone sends us that idea and is like, huh. Did someone send us that idea? No, I just made that up. <laughs> but Because now, there, there's a lot to talk about with yes, that. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode, cloth. <laughs> you will love this idea of textiles. <laughs> Get lost in the fabric. <laughs> oh. Remind me to write that one down. <laughs> oh, so, but back to the things that don't wear cloth. Animals. <laughs> animals. Like, wow. Like, how in the world are we going to get off the ground with animals? Where do we even start with animals? Genesis 1. That's where we start. From my side, at least. Um, I just, I just ruined my split view. Hold on. I got to get my notes back up. So, obviously, whenever you talk about animals, everyone always thinks about two things. And do you know what those two things are? It's going to be... Go ahead and guess, please. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark, yep, exactly. (laughs) And Genesis. You you always see all these... Talking serpents. Yeah, and all these animals that are just all grazing and eating leaves together and smiling weirdly. And like this chimp is like hanging from a brontosaurus neck or giraffe neck or whatever. And like, I'm just imagining all the cartoons I've seen in the past. I'm not, I'm not saying that sarcastically, (laughs) 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 but uh, so naturally from my point of view, I'm going to start in Genesis one because we always see the creation story and uh there's a few interesting things that i just even just recently i i'm like huh this that's an interesting thought about just the animals like 
some things just show up like right right when I need them to. It's like, oh yeah, that's a really interesting thought. Um, but in Genesis, you see. Um, let's go to. I'm I'm just gonna re like reference the verses here. Maybe read them. Um, in because you don't see animals right away when God makes the heaven and the earth, and He makes the uh, firmament and he forms uh, i'll just get past he he forms the earth there's water on the earth there's a uh, light there's uh, i said waters already and there's also um there's also stars and planets and suns but on the on the fifth day of creation, because there's six days of cre- of the creation event, um, it talks about God creating... Uh, well, at first, in Genesis 1.20, he says, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And then he blessed them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters, and the let the fowl multiply in the earth. And that was the fifth day. The evening and the morning were the fifth day. And then on the sixth day, a few things happened. Uh, first, God says, let the earth bring forth living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts or and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So, so far we've seen like basically the sea life and the air life winged fowls flying things on day five and where did they come from when God called them forth they came out of the waters like the water brought forth these it's like oh okay that's weird the waters brought these animals forth and then on the sixth day he says uh, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind so now the water brought forth some then the earth brought forth some um, and this kind of uh, helps define animal because when you look in verse 26 this is still the sixth day but it was after the animals and then it says and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness so uh, it wasn't Man wasn't brought forth from water or earth. It was made by God in his image and his likeness. So it was, there's a separation between animals and man in that sense. Um, So we see that animals are brought forth from the ground and the waters. Um, uh, Let's see where I want to go next. So these animals, um, it's interesting in the Bible with animals because we see God 
like bringing them forth in Genesis, but we also see them in heaven too. Um, we see horses in heaven, fowl of heaven are, are mentioned, or uh, the birds of heaven or uh, whatever the terminology was used there. So you see like horses and chariots and stuff in heaven. Uh, Would these be like animals of the angelic realm? Yeah, so these animals that we see in heaven would be like, in in, from what I understand, would be like the angelic dimension animals, like their version of the animals. So almost in a way, I would think that it would be, they would be, the animals on earth are designed after the ones in heaven. And we see cherubim and seraphim having those four faces, you know, one of... A lion and an eagle and a calf um, and a man. So like, and you, we also see angels having those like feet of calf. So like all these elements are kind of represented on earth as well in a somewhat different form, if you will. Um, but like the horses in heaven, they might be described as like a, a horse of fire or flame or something like shining bright kind of like the chariot of fire shining bright. So different, they're like, they're different in heaven because maybe a horse looks like a horse from earth, but it's of a possibly different nature of that other dimensional nature or whatnot. Uh, But you see that uh, in Genesis, they were brought forth on the earth, either from the earth or from the waters. um, And, Man's not brought forth from the ground or the earth or the water. So we can't really fit man into the category of animal at this point. And, uh, but there is one thing that man and animal have in common that the Bible defines as, and that's, it talks about them having, being living, having a breath. But when he talks about plant life, which is another topic, it talks about the green things, not the living things. So there's like a, difference there and in the beginning when he created man and animal he made the green things the plants to be their food to be their meat so at the beginning everyone was a vegetarian basically um but when when does that change with animals when does that change because well let me not let me not uh go too far ahead because we see what man is supposed to do with animals, and especially in the Garden of Eden before the curse, and I'll get to the curse a little bit later. Um, what is man supposed to do with the animal life? Well, it says in verse 28 in Genesis 1 that he told he, not only the animal life to, be mul- to multiply and be fruitful, but he told Adam and Eve to multiply and be fruitful and replenish the earth and subdue it. Um, I don't think, let me just verify this because I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak, but he does not tell the animal and the, and the, uh, you know, the fish and everything to subdue the earth. Uh, let me just verify that real quick. And when you see, the verbiage of like subduing the earth for with man we have to kind of remember what is happening at that time and it's like 
there are God, you know, lowercase g gods on the earth that are trying to have dominion on the earth as well. So really God was supposed to use Adam and Eve as like a king on the earth and a queen on the earth and like to take back earth um, for God's purpose. But um, I'm getting off topic. Verse 28 also says for man to have dominion over the sea or the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And then he tells them that they gave, that he gave every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding, uh, the, the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you shall be for meat. So there he says, okay, eat these plants. Uh, not the animals. You didn't say not the animals, but obviously they didn't eat animals then. So, um, so man, it was supposed to be like, a a shepherd of the animals. He, he were, he was to have dominion and we see Adam names all the animals after, uh, in Genesis two, I believe it is, but he names all the animals himself. Um, what were their original names and language? We don't. I don't think we know that at this point. But I was just gonna ask that. Now, some would say it, it. It probably was ancient Hebrew. I don't think so because you see Babel happening um, later on in Genesis and the confusion of tongues. But um, I don't think it's relevant right now either. Um, who knows? So. So Adam named them, and another interesting thing um, uh, is that the animals were to um, multiply and be fruitful, and they were made after their own kind. And that's a that uh, that's a thing that we can get into that I probably won't get too much into. Um, but we see animals throughout the Bible, and you mentioned Noah's Ark. You know, the giraffe sticking its head out the windows and the elephants with their big ears and the rainbow and the sunshine and everything. Um, but we see the flood on the earth happening. Um, and in Genesis, it talks about, you know, every, you know, two of each kind of animal, seven of each of the clean kind, um, uh, the clean animals. Uh, and... The interesting thing about that is God brought the animals to Noah. Noah didn't have to go out hunting for every lion, tiger, and bear. Um, well, it probably would have just been a liger or something and bears. Um, but he didn't have to go searching for all the animals. He brought God brought the animals to Noah. Um, and the, the, the ark and the animals, it's such a, like a, controversial topic when it comes to different fields of sciences and everything. Um, you see there's the recreation of the Ark in, uh, I think it's Southern Kentucky. I think it's Southern Kentucky. I've been there, but uh, they have this giant Ark, basically like a museum or an attraction. Tons of uh, different 
exhibits inside it's really it's huge it's really huge and it took all day to just walk around look at everything in there Um, and they have like all these different animals and stuff in there some live some just like statues or representations or whatnot but um one one field of study that i always that always interested me interested me was bear monology and that was it's the study of like the what would have been the original kind of animal and you could kind of like say like what is a kind what is a bearman they call them bearmans or kinds um, i mean they're really just like the species if you will but not really species of animals that would have been on the ark um, so you know there's a dog kind and a cat kind and a sloth kind and whatever kind yeah whatever animal there is there was a kind and it's basically like the uh the original cat just like yeah <laughs> just like that, a cat hello um so in bearmanology i i heard this once and i kind of looked it up different areas because bearmanologists have widely varying opinions and data but they it's like how many animals would have been on the ark like how many animals would have fit on the ark well, i found some uh, from a few sources they some people narrowed it down to 2000 kinds of animals i highly doubt that um the highest estimate i saw was 33000 bearmans or kinds of animals so like out of the 33000 there would have been like two dogs and two cats um you know so forth um, but, and it, interesting numbers, they say, even if it like at the 33,000 bearmans, they estimate that to be 30% of the cap capacity of the arc, which, I mean, I don't know the numbers of, of all of that, cal- those calculations, but I thought that was really low for the capacity of the arc. But when you're on, like, if you go to the arc in Kentucky, like it, it it's huge. It, it's, it's massive. Um, and there's like all these different, uh, things involved with that. And I mean, with 30% capacity, you could have tons of room for food store and care and whatnot. I don't I'm not going to get too much into that, but, uh, it's just a really interesting field of study with those, uh, with those barramans. But, um, that was just kind of like a side topic. Cause I always thought that was interesting to, to read up on. Um, an interesting thing happens after the flood though um, or actually before the flood too not really before the flood because what I'm thinking of is extra biblical text like the book of Jasher I think or Yasher depending on how you pronounce it it's an extra biblical text some people get obsessed with this stuff I tend not to read too much into it but there, there's some really interesting things about the the flood, especially with the animals. And that was when, uh, it was like a lion, a mother lion and her cubs came up to the ark. And like th- this ark was like surrounded by thousands of animals, but like the two cubs fought off their mother. And like they, those two cubs were the ones to go on the ark. Like it was, it was really interesting, but it kind of, talks about how like the it was like the young animals went on the ark and a lot of like uh the bear or like the creation scientists will say that's 
like that's how you fit so much on the ark because they were infant or younger uh animals um, and then the uh <laughs> the book of jasher goes into how the uh remaining animals fought off all the people trying to get on <laughs> so that was weird um I, th- I always thought that was interesting but anyways what happened after after the flood um with these animals really a really interesting thing i think not a lot of people like uh catch it or you know if if someone's studying their bibles they just kind of go over it but i thought it was an interesting topic and it leads back it will lead back to the end of my notes too with this note um Genesis 9.1, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. So this is right after the flood. They get off the ark. Okay, we're safe. Um, Verse 2 says, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. And to your hand are they delivered. Um, Every... And then every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, and every, even as the green herb, as I have given you all things. Um, so two things out of that was like one, it's like, hey, you can eat animals now. It's like, what in the world? That's so weird. Like, why are we going to eat animals now? Um, and the second is the, the fear and dread of the animals that they'll have towards man. Um, just a really weird thing. Apparently before the flood, there wasn't that fear of man, maybe a little leeriness, but definitely in the garden of Eden, it was like cohabitation. But before the, before the flood, it was, or after the flood, it's, you know, if you come across an animal, what are they going to do? They're going to run away or they're going to hiss at you or try to scare you off. Um, but now they can eat the animals. And even before this, we see the first, uh, the first time an animal was killed in the Bible. And who was that to kill an animal? That was God himself killed an animal. And it says in Genesis that he made Adam and Eve skins of, or coats of skin. And, uh, that's always, that's always, uh, kind of said to be the first sacrifice the first animal sacrifice to to cover sin because throughout the bible animal sacrifices only cover skin or of cover sin and skin i guess with with the coats of skin but <laughs> animal sacrifice only covers sin it doesn't wash it away so seeing god basically sacrificing one of his own one of his own animals to cover sin um you see that throughout the old testament before the flood even um when cain and abel abel brought forth a sacrifice cain brought forth not a worthy sacrifice it was his crop and not an animal and uh for some reason the blood of animal innocent animals covers sin um so we see this continuing past the flood but now animals fear and dread man as well but you we still see that animals throughout the bible have a a a purpose for 
that God can even command them what to do. Like in at one point, Elijah was fed because ravens brought him food. God told the ravens to bring him food. Um, and he even like causes them to speak. Sometimes you see in the, in the donkey, um, he, he, God caused the donkey to speak. Um, and you always, it makes you wonder like, okay, what are, uh, what are, what kind of relationship do animals have to the spiritual realm? Um, or even to God himself. Uh, we see throughout the Bible, God is like basically like emotionally invested in animals. Uh, the, the Bible talks about him being mindful of a sparrow's life. And he, 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 you almost see him like uh, care for every single, even, even small animals. Like he feeds the animals. He, he, uh, gives them life and, uh, and even the animals seem to have a perception of like the spiritual realm too um, throughout the Bible. Again, the donkey, like he saw the angel, like, and when, when the person, I don't remember who was writing the, the donkey, but the person didn't see the, the angel, but the donkey did. And there's this, like, this angel was standing in the way of this donkey. And this donkey's like, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. So he always turned away from the angel. Like, yep, let's go somewhere else. And then the angel would get in his way again. He's like, no, I'm just going to keep turning myself away. And the writer's like, what in the world are you doing? Go straight. Um, and then the donkey talked. <laughs> um, which, talking animals is a weird thing um, to any of us. I mean, maybe not so anymore with movies and stuff and translating collars and whatnot in movies of course not in real life that'd be, not that'd yet. be silly not yet <laughs> but people will also say like oh adam or adam and eve saw a talking serpent in the garden um it's like snakes don't talk yeah. it probably wasn't a snake first off um it's a serpent in in the Bible, that serpent is defined in Revelation as Satan, the devil, that old serpent. Which, I mean, the the serpent in the garden, that's a whole other story that I'm not going to probably go into right now because I want to stick to general animals. Um, and, you know, we could also talk about other things too um, with like dinosaurs and dragons and stuff, but... I'll save that for another time, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so... Animals... This is probably the one topic that I spent most preparing for. And I've, like, studied it in the past. And there's not really a clear answer in the Bible. And that that's... Do animals have souls and spirits? or spirit, And or spirits? It's like, are they... Do they have the same thing that man has and you see in the bible god formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed in man life making him a soul so you see the body's spirit which is the breath of god and the life uh, or the soul which bringing all those three things together makes it a human soul so it's like okay 
do animals have the same thing? Um, which I don't think the Bible is clear on it. And I don't think the Bible means for it to be clear, but in like Ecclesiastes three twenty one, it talks about, well, and this is asking, um, in verse 20, it says, and all, all go unto one place, all are of the dust and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. Um, so that verse kind of says, okay, the spirit of man goes upward. We know the Bible says that the spirit that God gave us goes back to God. It returns to God. And, but in here it says the spirit of the beast goes downward to the earth. Now this is in Ecclesiastes, a lot of these, um, a lot of these questions are kind of rhetorical because he always leads to like, well, everything is vain. Like all is vanity. Like everything's so useless in life. But then, you know, at the end of Ecclesiastes, he kind of says like, we have, but we have hope in God. Um, so I don't know if that's supposed to be a rhetorical question or maybe he's asking like, who knows if the man's spirit goes up and beast spirits go down. Who knows? I don't know. There's also a, uh, a verse about a, a soul of a turtle dove. So there's spirit and soul that you see in the Bible. Some people have different camps of thought regarding this. Theologians have, you know, they'll debate this and say, we just don't know for sure. Um, it's like, am I going to see my dog in heaven? Um, like, am I going to be greeted at heaven's gate by all my past pets. And I even saw like one person's like, I hope I see my bearded dragon in heaven. <laughs> it's just kind of pets have that, uh, that connection with us where oh, they love us and we love them. And like, really, I don't know if I believe one way or another. And the Bible doesn't say one way or another, but we know there are animals in heaven. I think C.S. Lewis put it that like okay your individual dog's not going to be there but we, there is dogness in heaven like there will be dogs there for us to enjoy but like your specific individual dog probably not i don't know if i agree with that i just don't i i honestly don't know uh, myself i know i've heard so many different opinions um and there's even one person that was like explaining that either there's like no, uh, like no pets go to heaven, like no animals go to heaven, like nothing happens to them when they die or like, yeah, there will be animals in heaven, but like not ours. And then there's his third one, which he says he believes in is like, yeah, my dog's going to go to heaven. I've even seen people say, yeah, animals have the capacity to sin. Like they have... Uh, they they have the ability to sin and it's like okay is that sin imputed to them uh the way sin is imputed to man it's a debate i think it's up all conjecture at this point <laughs> but there is something that there is a a plan or it's really it's a covenant with animals that god made and it talks about this several times in the bible and you when I was talking about after the flood, animals became 
he gave animals the fear and the dread of man. That wasn't like for no reason. And even at that point when man can eat animals at that point, I see almost this reverse polar opposite effect of the covenant that God will fulfill for the animals. And it's, it's kind of weird, uh, how like opposite it is of how it started. But, um, and we know, you know, Adam and Eve sinned and the earth was cursed for their sake. It was cursed. Um, and the, the Bible talks about how the whole creation groans um, in Romans 8. It says, like Paul was talking about, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to, compare to, be, or to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He's talking about the body of Christ. This glory that is not even comparable, comparable to suffering is going to be shown through the body of Christ. Um in Romans eight nineteen says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. So the body of Christ is to manifest this glory. And creation is like waiting for this. It says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall also be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So like this, the, the whole system of creation is cursed and it it's groaning and like, just, okay. We just like want, uh, like God's power and glory to be manifested to creation because it's going to be freed in that, in that, uh, in that glory and in that, in that hope and this creation also includes animals and plants too. And that's, again, that's another subject. But with the animals, God has a covenant with them. So we know the curse. We know the fear and dread of man and the consumption of animals by man. But in Hosea 2.18, it talks about, he, it's talking about the, the kingdom. Um, Jesus is going to come back to the earth. He's going to reign on the earth and he's going to bring back the pre-cursed days in those, in that, in those days. And it says in verse 18, it says, and in that day, will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them lie down safely. So like with the, with these animals and the, the birds and the beasts and the creeping things, he's going to make a covenant with them. And, uh, in this kingdom, in this kingdom to come, there's going to be burning of weapons for seven years. Like all the weapons of the earth are going to be burnt and then made into like useful tools and stuff. Um, but there's this covenant. It's like, okay, what is this covenant? Like, how is he going to fulfill this covenant with animals? Um, obviously they're going to be safe. Okay. Like they're, they're safe. They're, they're not going to be killed and eaten by, by people. Um, but like, what does this look like? What's this covenant look like? And this gets kind of, kind of dark. Um, 
um, when when this uh, when this time comes in the in the at the end of the tribulation and in the kingdom to come when when Jesus is back on the earth. Ezekiel 39.4 kind of describes a little thing. It says, Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. So there's these armies that are warring against Jesus. These uh, n- these armies of the nations of the earth are warring. Um, and he he said, you sh- You're going to fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the and the people that is with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. So now it's their turn to eat people in hordes and masses like the fast food. Uh, uh, it's a buffet of of man. And, uh, and then even like thou shalt fall upon the f- open field for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. So, these these uh, animals are going to eat people, <laughs> to be to be frank, um, and then this is also described in Isaiah eleven six. It says, "Oh no, no, I don't want to go there yet. I want to go to Revelation nineteen uh, seventeen, and it says, uh, and I saw an angel standing in the sun.'" And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourself unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both great and small. Um, so like these uh, birds are going to be able to eat the armies that are attacking uh, even their horses too, like the domesticated horses that they're riding on. Apparently, they're going to be avenged and eaten too. So, um, so it's kind of it's kind of a an interesting uh, covenant that God has with the animals. It's like okay, like right now, like you're going to fear men and dread men, but like in the future, you are like you are going to you're going to be the ones eating them, and they're going to be the ones fearing you and ultimately um in the end uh like what what's the end game with everything like is it is it just going to be like a beast war that we're just going to fight off all the animals all the time no it's i think that that supper of the great god is going to be kind of like okay now you've had your fill um but in the in the kingdom to come in the in the future of the earth um, they're gonna, there's gonna be, uh, there's gonna be peace. And it said that in, in Hosea, I think it was Hosea that there's going to be peace. They're going to lie down safely. Um, and, uh, let me take a look here in Isaiah, um, 11, six, this is kind of a famous like passage, um, but in the kingdom to come, uh, it says, it talks about the, the animals. It says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the, ch- and the 
little child shall lead them. So like a kid's going to have like a lion as a pet. Like, come on, come on, Rufus. Um, and like a, the, his leopard and wolf are coming with them. And, you know, his lamb and goats too. And cows, apparently. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child, so the little child, shall play on the hole of the asp. You know, a venomous creature, a venomous snake. And the weaned child, the little toddler, shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. And the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord and the waters, uh, as the waters cover the sea. So in this great day to come, uh, in this kingdom on the earth, animals aren't going to be hurting each other. They're not going to be hurting people. And people aren't going to be hurting them. And I think that's uh, like the the end hope for not just animals, but like for all creation as well. And for, for mankind, uh, especially with the promises of the kingdom on the earth. Um, It's the, the, the end goal. And there's so much to say about prophecy. I'm not going to belabor that too much, but um, like Isaiah 65 says, like repeats Isaiah 11 saying, um, and the wolf shall, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and, the, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. So we still see a serpent here. And he is eating dust like the prophecy said in Genesis. Um, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. So, um, so a quick beginning and end of animals in, that, in all of that I just said. So <laughs> I try to make it short. Wow. So you, a lot of people don't realize that the Bible has like a plan for animals and like the covenant with animals, just like God has a covenant with like Israel and with man. So it's, it's, uh, it's different for the animals. I don't think they're bound by the law of sin and they don't have to be redeemed by the blood of Christ, but through the blood of Christ and the glory of God, the whole creation will be freed from from the curse of man so oh that's my that's my gist any questions um no okay cool (laughs) (laughs) i think it's like when when you first said that we should do a episode on animals like my first thought was like you know Noah's Ark and stuff but also the idea of like stewardship over the land and um, I mm. guess maybe that doesn't apply to animals um, maybe that's more like you know agriculture but I yeah I mean took it to mean animals and kind of yeah, I think in yeah. in the Garden of Eden, especially when man was made to have dominion over these creatures, over animals, it was it was a uh, a position of leadership over them, and 
you know, I mean, we see that kind of in shepherd in like in a shepherd, like the modern day analogy of a shepherd. Um, I'm not sure exactly to what extent, maybe the animals were working with Adam to do things in the garden because you didn't see that until after the fall was when man had to toil over the, the earth to get food. So maybe the animals had a part to play in that. Um, even down to the smallest bug and whatnot, like has purpose in cultivation and in an ecosystem. So that might've been, that might've been part of it. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. It's vastly different than the Buddhist approach to animals. <laughs> you might you might already guess, but yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> well, if you insist. <laughs> animals <I do. clears throat> from a Buddhist standpoint differs in many ways. I mean, like, I don't even know where to begin if I were to say, well, this is how, you know, this is different than a Christian perspective, um, you know. But classically from a Buddhist perspective, the animal realm is one of the six main realms of samsara, of of the cycle of suffering that one is reborn into. Um, through this causal chain of 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 clinging and craving and suffering, um, and it's usually generally characterized as a realm of ignorance, of bewilderment, of delusion. Um, animals go around, uh, you know, mainly acting on instinct uh, there are some differences you know some uh, creatures who are are known to have a higher intelligence have a higher self-awareness like dolphins and stuff but but mainly they're you know they are sentient creatures who who lack the the awareness that that humans have that give us the ability to discern what is skillful and what is unskillful uh, you know when it comes to what causes our suffering and what does not mm. um and but but with that said you know animals just like any sentient being have the you know the potential of awakening um and you see this illustrated in classical buddhist texts like the jataka tales where it shows the buddha's past lives before his final human uh, incarnation where he is an animal um, and usually, usually, you know, he will be an animal that 
um, that might encounter another animal who will who turns out to be one of his main disciples uh, in a past life as well. So you see this karmic connection between some major figures in Buddhism keep bumping into each other in past lives. And it's all because of the karmic stream. Um, because the Buddha was was on that path to awakening. And those who encountered that were kind of influenced by that that more focused like yep that's the direction the Buddha's going to enlightenment and and you know that's a whole different topic of karma but but you see these stories of animals who through many rebirths um, become the Buddha for example um, so Animals have the potential for enlightenment, just like humans, just like, just like ghosts or devas, um, <laughs> in the cycle of suffering. And, but, but there's this aspect of, of animals that when discussing what, what, you know, what do Buddhists have to say about animals, um, Many people will say, you know, like vegetarianism, veganism, you know, like, and that, 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 I get that does kind of tie into it, kind of. That's a very interesting question that has a lot of nuance to it, but, um, but it does raise a, a good point about how how do we treat animals you know as buddhists how do you how do we think we should be treating animals and you know non-human life um and it ties back to the buddhist idea of of ahimsa of non-violence non-harming um because because animals are sentient beings um we don't want to harm them uh, because the the intention and act of harming and killing only leads to suffering uh, for what we might consider ourselves and others. So, so we want to we want to treat animals good. You know, we want to treat them fairly, justly. We want to feed. We want to treat them. With respect and kindness and compassion, of course. Um, and I think we could extend that idea further, much further out than just animals. Um, and, it's, you know, and some people are like, oh, you know, what about plants? Um, and most Buddhist schools will say, well, they're not sentient beings. Um, but also, we need to eat something. <laughs> uh, I mean, do so we really? Just kidding. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we do, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> even the Buddha realized that. It's like, oh, wow, if I don't eat, you know, I'm just going to, you know, 
uselessly die. <laughs> no, that brings up a good point. Um, and I never really, for some reason, I never really thought of it that way. Um, but like with, uh, like how to treat animals, it just, it's leading my mind down certain paths. Um, uh, but if you have more to say, I'll hold this off until the end. Oh, no, um, go ahead. To okay. Well, I'm, I just wanted to like go along my thoughts with that because like with, um, like, that's a good question. Like, how are we supposed to treat animals? And, you know, like, generally, like, the Bible, you know, uh, animals are part of God's creation. Don't be a, don't be a jerk and uh, don't be hateful. You're not supposed to hate. Um, and then it got me to thinking, like, okay, like, with an, even with animal sacrifices, like, how how twisted is that, some people think. But when you look at it, in the Levitical law, this is this is the law he gave to Israel. It's like, okay, if you guys want to be right with with me, like follow these rules to a T, and you'll be like right with God. And a, a large part of that was with animal sacrifices because an innocent blood covers the sin of the guilty, um, and the animals are innocent. And, uh, with, and you, you saw, you saw that with the making of the coats of skin after the garden of Eden. And you see that through, throughout, throughout history with the animal sacrifices. And it's not, uh, a vain slaughtering of an animal. Um, you see people bring their animals f for sacrifices. It, the nation of Israel will bring a animal for their sacrifice different types of sacrifices for different reasons but they always they always did it like god has a specific way you you sacrifice an animal and then a specific way to uh to butcher the meat and to cook it like there there's grills in the tabernacle in the temple like specific ways to cook these meats and then that the tribe of uh levi were the were the priests serving in the temple and in the tabernacle, and this is where they got their food from. Where was the sacrifices? They were to eat this meat um, because they didn't have land. Like the tribe of Levi wasn't given specific like land and uh, like diff different things that the other tribes got. But that's because they were to be paid and fed through this through this means of sacrifice. So it had like a a use for it as well as the sacrificial part of it. There was a use for these, for these animals too. So um, just seeing it through like the Levit Levitical law kind of branching off of that question, like how are we to treat animals? Like it made me think down that rabbit hole, if you will. Um, yeah. Just yeah. Like in, in, in Buddhism, it's, you know, it's, Un, uh, it's unskillful to take a life of an of an animal um and there's even monastic rules on you know punishments of if you harm an animal or kill an animal um you know obviously it's not as it's not as uh harsh of a punishment if like versus if you were to kill a person, but um, I mean you see that um, in Levitical law too. Like you could get killed for killing an ant, like to kill for killing someone's 
cattle or you know someone's animal you could get killed yourself um mm. yeah and i i think in the There's bible not that kind of punishment but Hinduism. <laughs> <laughs> um, well they don't stone people <laughs> um yeah I, I think in the in the bible it, to me it almost seems like that is almost the same sen- sentiment like like killing animals is a uh, Obviously, like to cover sin, killing animals like not ideal. Like we don't want this to have to happen, um, and that's why God offered Himself up for this the final sacrifice, um, and that's why in the beginning and at the end we'll see animals not getting killed because it's just not ideal. Like that's almost shameful in a way. Um, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and in, in Buddhism, you see, especially nowadays in modern Buddhism, uh, you know, the trend towards like vegetarianism and veganism. Um, and interestingly, you don't see this as much in the early Buddhist traditions, uh, especially in the monastic traditions, partially because monastics survive off of alms given by the villagers and they'll give you whatever they have they'll give you you know rice or meat or whatever um Hmm. you know i've heard of modern day monks in small villages in you know in thailand where they give you like frog soup and it's like well you know should we be eating frogs it's like we don't really have a say you know of what we eat they even like this mix is what everything <laughs> they get in one bowl and just eat it because it's it's not something to to necessarily you know you know what you eat is is literally there to fuel your body to can to help you continue in your quest of liberation and that's how monastics are supposed to approach food and how lay people are encouraged to do so, too. It's not, well, I want this because it's tasty, you know. It's, I should eat because it's, you know, it's what will continue this this body of mine, keep me healthy, you know, physically and mentally to be able to continue these practices. Um, <laughs> Have we done an episode on dietary, on diets and food? I don't think so. It's the next one, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh so maybe i won't speak too much more about eating meat <laughs> eating animals oh man yeah i mean it you could almost go into it now but i mean we yeah. we will expound on dietary uh uses and stuff next episode definitely more because yeah. i have a i have a lot to say to that too the bible has a lot to say to that yeah and i think I mean, there's, you know, that, but there's also just like the general approach to animals. And, um, I mean, I think I really touched on most of it, which is, you know, animals are sentient beings with the potential of enlightenment. We should treat them with respect and kindness and compassion, non-harming. Non-harming is huge, is a huge part of Buddhist practice because of of the, the I don't know I always view Buddhist practice as a very pragmatic practice it's not like 
there's no frills, you know? It's like, we don't, like, it's, it's always kind of, uh, jarring to hear, like, these, like, religious approaches to, to the nature of animals, and, you know, you know, creation stories and beginnings, because, like, in Buddhism, it's like, well, we'll leave that up to, you know, biologists and geologists. Like, we're worried about our, you know, our habituations and, you know, how to free ourselves from our, you know, propensity for entangling ourselves and in, in, in craving. Um, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in here. And so it's like, we don't really care if you know we don't have there's not a really a place in buddhist practice to kind of dwell on oh well you know our where 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 do animals come from um it's like there's you know we'll it's an interesting field um but if someone's really serious about like about liberation from suffering, um, it's not a big it's not a big part of the practice, you know. It's like okay, I'll you know I'll read some some books or articles on you know evolutionary biology or something, and, and you know of uh, we trust the, the people who devote their lives to learn that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, you don't necessarily have to go out search that for ourselves. Um, and, and maybe this isn't an, a, an appropriate Buddhist approach specifically to this topic, but I always go back to the idea, the, the idea of like the wilderness of views that, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't get caught up, and cling to our own like existential or physical philosophical views of like what we might say are unanswerable questions like oh does is the universe infinite oh man it's that's you know it's trippy stuff to think about but it does does like would it benefit us to keep dwelling on that because we're never gonna get an answer <laughs> Um, right like that's not gonna that's not gonna actually help me you know awaken to suffering <laughs> and liberate myself or others but so it's very pragmatic it's like animals yes don't don't harm them <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could definitely see that, um, approach even like through, uh, a biblical, a biblical approach. Um, you know, the whole Bible, like the whole counsel of God is for like every word is profitable, um, for man, but there are, there are things you should dwell on and things that you shouldn't dwell on. So that's kind of a good point. Like, 
some people are obsessed with um, studying the antediluvian world, the pre-flood world. Um, like, what was it like? Like, what does it all mean? And like, they get into some serious stuff. Like, man, I wish I knew as much as they did. Or like, wow, I wish I could like go where they went to see this stuff. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, that that can be that can be their job but that and it's cool um but i shouldn't get fixed on that you know some people say all you need to know is john 316 like that's all you need well the whole bible is there but maybe they have a point in like you shouldn't get fixed on one thing and base your whole spiritual walk on that like I'm basing yeah. my spiritual walk on the giants. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at, like, Buddhist stories, there are a lot of them that, like, I mean, I discussed, like, the Petavatu and the Vimanavatu in the last couple episodes where there's, there are these, you know, kind of parables that are like, oh, you know, this person did this bad thing, so they ended up being a hungry ghost. Or this person you know, was, you know, made sure to be extra nice to the monks and was very charitable in life and they became a, a deva. Um, and there's certainly stories like that for animals as well. You know, um, I had someone the other day who asked me kind of in jest, uh, how, how would I come back in my next life as a mosquito? Because, you know, I want, there's people I want to take revenge on. And I'm like, uh, well, to, in order to be reborn as a mosquito, you probably had to be a bloodsucker in this life, you know? Be like a lawyer or something. Or, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's, you know, if you... And it kind of goes back to the, you know, somewhat controversial question on, like, how how real are these realms and you know it's like are we literally going to be reborn as an animal or like is is it a state of mind and it's like maybe it's both um but you know you you probably can think of examples of people who might be more in kind of an animal state of mind than not you know people <laughs> who just you know i i, I always think you know like a a, like a dog will, you know, return to its vomit, as the Bible yeah. says. <laughs> I, I yeah, I'm I'm thinking of my dog like eating like cat poop, but like <laughs> no like no impulse control, no Variety. thought of like is this good? It's like, hey, something I want to eat it, you know. Yeah, and they don't. Sometimes they don't know it's bad for them, and it kills them. Yeah, and so it's like. It's very instinctual, very, um, just very automatic. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a chant that we do at my temple that kind of goes through the different levels, the different realms. And when talking about the animal realm, it, it always talks about how, uh, it's bewilderment 
And I love that term, bewilderment, because animals are caught in a constant state of bewilderment. Of, hmm. of. It's very much like there's a lot of fight or flight. There's a lot of like... I mean, there's a lot of... There's, there's instances of, you know, even like dogs and, you know, some of the other more maybe anthropomorphically uh, relatable animals who we can see they do have kind of a thought process. They can see something happening and they, they stop and inspect it and try to like calculate risks and calculate, you know, assumptions about it and say, okay. And, and some of them, you know, dogs can solve puzzles. They can, they can figure things out. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe from a Buddhist standpoint, it really falls back on like a self, self-reflecting, self-reflection, the ability to, to ask like, what am I, or why do I experience, you know, unease or dissatisfaction, like, mm. Animals never ask them that themselves. That's just like, man, I really want that, you know, food on the table. I'm going to go for it. You know, it's not like, why do I want the food? <laughs> man, that's true. They just want to eat it because it's there. Yeah. And because they have the chance to. Yeah, because they're. An animals are op opportunistic. Yeah, the, the biology is. says, you know, you know, wow, I'm smelling a rich source of calories and nutrients yeah. and my body like demands that, you know, yeah, not that it's framed in that way in their mind, but <laughs> it's uh, driven that way. Yeah. The, the the urge kind of supersedes the 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 rationale behind it. It's not mm. oh my body like we can think that way, but dogs just like no oh, that smells good. Mm. I'm gonna you know? lick it. Yeah. It's like, why did you just lick my elbow? Are you gonna eat me? <laughs> um, a good answer for the person that wants to be a mosquito. Politics. Have you ever broken down the word politics? It means poly, many, ticks, blood-sucking creatures. <laughs> oh. Yep, there's my dad joke of the day. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not a mosquito, but hey, it's on the right it's, track. Yeah. <laughs> They'll take them to where they're going. <laughs> or where they want to get to. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Animals. Yeah, they are driven by instinct. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, you do see a, a thought process in them. Um, even in, like, rats and and. Grow, quote unquote gross animals like that that are mindless I used to have a rat a pet rat and 
man, he was so smart. He was, you know, they go through little mazes and all that stuff too. <laughs> and the smart ones just go over the top to get to what they want. <laughs> like jump. The really smart ones. Yeah, the really smart ones. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that uh, yeah, that topic of animals. I don't think, at least from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, I don't think Christians think about it as much as they, not should, but like, there's more the there's more that in the Bible than they think there is about animals, um, and I mean there it's always like that question like am i gonna see my dog in heaven um and kind of the cop-out answer for christians at least is like well god wants you to be happy in heaven so i'm like why wouldn't he want why wouldn't your pets be there which i think is an unbiblical answer but you know, and there's like if if whatsoever you ask you shall receive it's like okay i don't i'm not gonna apply that to to asking for uh, my pets in heaven, but you never know. I can't say yes you or know, no. That's that brings up a good question. Like, what would a Buddhist uh, analog of that question be? Like, will I see my? You know, I guess a lot of people might believe that. You know, like you know, you have a dog that dies and like couple weeks later a random dog like comes up on your porch or whatever and um and i guess like from a buddhist standpoint that is possible um Hmm. and will you see your dog in your next life that's i mean it's definitely not gonna be a dog most likely um (laughs) but there is this idea of like of like kind of generating positive merit through almost like through exposure for animals like if animals are around the dharma um then they are you know they might not under completely understand what's like these concepts behind it but like just being exposed to the buddhist teachings might help plant seeds that in future lives might generate you know circumstances where you know the the path to enlightenment is closer at hand <laughs> and i mean and i it's it's kind of the, the the same concept goes throughout all you know planes of existence or whatever you want to call it like you know people might even like think that you know because it's immensely rare to be born in a time where the dhamma is actually being taught um and to be in contact with it is even even more like you know i i don't want to say lucky but it's even it's 
maybe rarer and also you know very fortunate if you are born in a time and place where not only does it exist but you are directly exposed to it Mm -hmm. and people born in the time of the buddha you know are immensely fortunate to be to actually have the direct you know teaching from from the one who you know just kind of rediscovered it so to speak Hmm. and because the buddhist teachings will like everything will you know disappear um impermanence and will reappear later in the future uh, by another person that could be called the buddha Interesting. And who knows, maybe an animal right now is that person, you know, in the future. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, um, anything else to be said about animals? What's your favorite animal? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do very much like sloths um although i know like in what like in in catholicism uh sloth is a is a sin slothfulness (laughs) yeah the bible mentions slothfulness and Um, in buddhism sloth is one of the five hindrances (laughs) sloth and torpor one of the seven deadly sins i think i don't know what the seven deadly sins are that's not a biblical thing but yeah I think I think sloth slothfulness is one. Yeah, but um, hmm. I I also like geese. I don't know. I I see a lot of geese around here, and they're just fun fun creatures. Yeah, especially when they start chasing you. I've never had one chase me. I know, me neither. I don't think. I think it's a myth. They're Maybe. so misunderstood. We should we should we should test that theory out. I always want to hug one. Okay. <laughs> I see videos of like, you know, of swans or geese or ducks like wrap their velvety neck around your shoulder and I just want that to happen with a goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good luck. <laughs> good luck. What's your favorite animal? Well, people that know me know that I love moths. Not sloths, but moths. <laughs> winged creatures that quote-unquote eat your clothes they don't only a very select few of caterpillars their larval states do but not the moth themselves moths don't eat they some drink nectar and stuff like that but some moths don't have eat feeding parts at all i will have to lecture some people i know who just recently made the accusation that oh i hate moths they eat clothes Nope, their babies do. <laughs> some. 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 Some, yeah, not, yeah. You won't be seeing a monarch. Well, that's a butterfly, but butterflies are just daytime moths. Um, you won't be seeing like a, a American tiger caterpillar uh, or a, an American dagger caterpillar or a, like a any kind of tiger moth eating clothes. It's going to be specific kinds. Maybe maybe we can touch that touch on that more in our cloth episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah I will do more moth research and 
some lepidoptery studies. But I do love moths for some reason. I like taking pictures of them close up with a macro lens. But that's... Li uh, lizards too. Um, you know, I used to love lizards and reptiles. They're just so fascinating. But lizards are my jam. I also I like really lizards. like birds. I like bird watching. Birds are cool. And cats. Cats are... I don't know. I kind of don't like cats, but I kind of do. I, I don't know. I like animals. I agree. As long as they don't make a mess and hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> cats do both, by the way. <laughs> That's why I kind of don't like them. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Bible does talk about moths, but it talks about how... Um, Basically, things in heaven are not corrupted by rust and moths. So apparently, moths corrupt. But wow, yeah. their their babies are pests, just like any other babies. <laughs> uh, maybe that the writer of that passage needs to be schooled on moths too. <laughs> they do not eat cloth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that Gids, I mean, five minutes ago was probably a good stopping point, but then I asked the question about favorite animals. What's your favorite animal? We want to know from listeners what your favorite animal is, and if if we really like your answer, we will put it on air and make you look weird. I mean, us look weird. <laughs> we, we look weird. We, yeah, us. Us, yeah. But yeah, baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. Facebook, is your favorite animal Instagram? a leech? I don't know. Is it a tick? Politic mosquito? <laughs> you tell us, and we will tell the world. Um, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We're on TikTok. We have a follower on TikTok, believe it or not. Um, so follow Hi us there, follower of TikTok. Yes. Next episode, cloth. No, I'm kidding. Next episode will be... <laughs> um, Food. food. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a soda. <laughs> Speaking of food. <laughs> yep, exactly. I was trying to make a food reference, but that goes more towards drink, which could be another episode, too. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that <laughs> I think that does it. So, thank you all for listening and watching. We will see you next time. This has been The Baptist and The Buddhist with Mark and Brian and we will see you later bye bye bye